Welcome everybody to Spice of Life this evening. In person, on Facebook, on Zoom. And what I wanted to discuss this evening, we'll see how it ties into the Parsha, to the weekly portion of Parsha's Lech Lecha, where we are introduced to Avraham, Abraham, the first of our patriarchs. But this topic is a fundamental topic in how we approach not just the stories of the book of Beratius, the book of Genesis, but really the stories that we read about throughout the Torah, throughout the Talmud, and how we view the earlier generations. So this is a fundamental topic in Judaism. The topic is, are Jewish leaders infallible? Yes, on the source sheet, it is misspelled. Um, I'm trying to make the mistake. For those that, uh, for those that get that. <clears throat> Jim, help me out with that. So as a prelude to the discussion to build up where how it connects to this Parsha and what the Torah's concept is, are Jewish leaders infallible? Let's begin as follows. In Kohelis and Ecclesiastes, the verse tells us, chapter 7, verse 20, that people, there is no righteous person in the land that only does good and never sins. Meaning, Shlomo Amelech, King Solomon, is telling us everybody is going to commit a sin. Everyone's going to commit a sin. Now, it happens to be, I didn't put it on the page. There is a passage in the Talmud that says that there were four people who only died because Adam sinned and instituted death into the world. Meaning, without that, there was no reason for them to die. They never, ever sinned. The four people were Binyamin, the last of the 12 tribes. Amram, Moshe's father, Yishai, King David's father, and Kilov, who was one of King David's sons. Never, ever sinned. So Tosos there asked the question, how do you reconcile it with the verse in Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes is telling us that everybody has sinned. How can you tell me that these four didn't? So Tosos there answers that the Gemara or this verse in Ecclesiastes is referring to most people. Meaning these four were the exception, but everybody else, they have committed a sin. They've committed a sin. And with that prelude, we can now understand or we can now approach that means that the patriarchs, that means that the matriarchs, that means the great people, Moshe, Aaron, committed a sin. That means that they did something wrong in their life. So how do we view that? How do we approach when the Torah describes the sin that they committed? How do we approach that? How should we view it? What is the proper approach? We'll see a few, but what is the proper approach? So in this week's portion, Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 13, Avram is told to leave his land. Leave his birthplace, leave where he grew up. Where am I going? I don't know. God told me to leave, I'm leaving. So Avram ends up getting to the land of Israel. 
And when he gets to the land of Israel, the Torah tells us that there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. He had to leave. So where did he go? He went to the neighboring country, which was the land of Egypt. Avram knew that the land of Egypt, they had the custom. They knew He knew that the people there were morally depraved, and they are going to do the following. They're going to kill Avram in order that they take Sarah, who was a beautiful lady. At this point, she was Sarai. As a, she was a beautiful lady, they'll take her as a wife, which is a fascinating dichotomy in the way that the country worked. They're okay with murder, but adultery, that I would never do. That I would never do. Just He's not married anymore because he's no longer living. Just a fascinating rationalization of doing what we want. Murder, we're okay with. Adultery, I would never, ever do that. So Avram was afraid. Avram was afraid for his life. So what does he do? As the Torah famously tells us there, that he told Sarai, look, you're a beautiful lady. You know you're a beautiful lady. The Egyptians are going to think that you're my wife. They're going to kill me and they're going to let you live. So please say, Avram said, please say to the Egyptians that you are my sister and I'll be able to remain alive because of you. Okay, that's the story. And so happened. Sarah said it was a sister. She was taken by the king. Paro got afflicted. He ended up finding out that... They were really married. Avram was a holy person. Avram ended up getting tremendous reward, meaning blessed by Paro, the Egyptians, given tremendous wealth. And Avram went his merry way back to the land of Israel. Nachmanides tells us as follows. Nachmanides says that Avram's sin, Nachmanides, the bottom of page one on the source sheet. Nachmanides says that Avram did a sin Unintentionally. Avram committed an unintentional sin by doing what? That he brought along his righteous wife in this scheme because he was afraid maybe they're going to kill me. What was the sin? He should have trusted in God. Put his complete trust in God. That God will save him and his wife. And all that there is to him. Because God has the power to help to save anybody in any situation. So therefore, Nachmanides says that the fact that Avram was lacking that trust in God, that was a sin that he did. That was a sin that he did. He should have put his complete faith, should not have come up with this scheme and should have just said, we're married. What's going to be? God's going to, God's going to protect. I have no doubt that God is going to protect. That's the opinion of Nachmanides. The Tor, Rabbi Yaakov ben Usher, the son of the Rush, lived from 1269 to 1343. So he wrote the Tor Shulchan Aruch, the Tor Shulchan which we have behind me. And he wrote a commentary, two commentaries on the Torah. He wrote the Bala Turim, and he wrote the Torah commentary on the Torah. And he quotes the Ramban. He quotes this Nachmanides. And he says that as Nachmanides, as we just read, Avram did a sin. He should have fully trusted God. He should not have come up with this trick. He should have 100% trusted God. 
That's what Nachmanides said. However, the Torah argues. The Torah says as follows. The Torah says, It doesn't appear to me that this was a sin. Avram did not do anything wrong. In fact, This is what he should have done. He acted appropriately. Because there's a concept that we should not rely on a miracle. We shouldn't go into a situation without doing our due diligence. We should go into a situation doing our due diligence, not relying on a miracle. So Avram did what he was supposed to do. The Egyptians were lowly people. They were people who were very well going to kill him and they wanted his wife for their pleasure purposes. Avram knew that. That was more likely, that he was going to be killed. So he did his due diligence. The Torah argued with Nachmanides. So according to the Ramban, Nachmanides, Avram did a sin. He was supposed to have full trust in God, and he didn't. The Torah says what Avram did was fine. In fact, that, that was the correct thing to do. Because he shouldn't rely on a miracle. He's got to do everything in his due diligence, especially when the percentage, when the numbers are, Avram, you're going to get killed. That's the argument. So we see if one opinion holds, Avram did a sin in this instance. We see the other opinion, the Torah, he didn't do a sin, he actually acted appropriately. Okay, but nonetheless, the Ramban Nachmanides tells us Avram sinned here. Let's fast forward to next week's Parsha. Next week's Parsha, after Avram has his son Yitzchak, so he's confronted with one of his tests. Sarah, his wife, says that Yishmol, Avram, your son, right? Avram had a son, Yishmol, from Hagar. He had a son, Yitzchak, from Sarah. Sarah understood that Yitzchak was going to be the next in line of the patriarchs. She said that Yishmol is not a good influence on Yitzchak. This is not going well. Many of the commentators explain exactly what that was. This is not going well. They got to leave. This was one of the ten tests of Avram to kick out his own son. And Avram was stuck with this dilemma where the Torah says, God said to Avram, listen to Sarah, she's correct. She's correct. God said that. Avram wasn't sure. God said, as the verse states, listen to your wife, Sarah. Listen to the voice of your wife. Which actually the commentaries tell us that we see from here that Sarah was on a greater level of prophecy than Avram. Avram wasn't sure. Sarah said, this is not the correct thing. He's got to go. And God said, listen to her. She's the one that is saying what needs to be done. Sarah was on a greater level. Nonetheless, again, the Ramban, Nachmanides says as follows. Sarah dealt with Hagar harshly. That's what the words of the Torah says. Chata imenu our mother, meaning Sarah, our matriarch, transgressed, she did a sin over here with this affliction, with the pain that she caused Hagar. Vigam Avram, Avram as well, by permitting Sarah to do so, Nachmanadi says Avram committed a sin as well. And because of this, Mida Kenegan Mida, measure for measure, Avram and Sarah was punished that their children, us, 
would constantly be pained by Yishmael's descendants, those who are in the Middle East, those who are always constantly trying to kill us, to destroy us, constantly causing us harm. It's because, Nachmanides says, this episode right here, the story where Abram and Sarah ended up causing affliction. Sarah herself caused the affliction, and Avram allowed it to happen. That sin, the punishment was, that Yishmael would be able to affect the Jewish people in the future. So we see that they have sinned. Our patriarchs, our matriarchs, they have done a sin. And again, I'm not going through other examples of them. We're focusing on this week's portion where we see Nachmanides tells us that Avram did a sin. This week's portion, he did one in next week's portion. How are we supposed to view that? How do we look at the sin that Avraham did? Do we view it as if when we do a sin, every year we come Yom Kippur, we read the list, we're sitting there, we're going like this, we feel remorse. We know, we could think of the different things that we have done that fit into the categories while we're clapping our al We know we're not perfect. We did a sin. So maybe one approach could be the same way that I sin, as I could testify to. I could tell you what I do on Yom Kippur to, to do that. No, I'm not going to go confessional here. But we all sin. So do I view the patriarchs, the matriarchs, when I read about a sin that the Torah describes, do I say, Oh, you know what? I sinned. They sinned. It's the same. The same way that I have my struggles, the same way that I give in and I sin, they did the exact same thing. We're equals. We sin. As Ecclesiastes says, everybody's going to sin. Or do we view the patriarchs and matriarchs? Do we view Moshe, Aaron, Miriam, Joshua, the rabbis of the Mishnah, the rabbis of the Talmud, and even the greater generations, those who are greater than us, let's say the Vilna Gon, who lived in the 1700s. How do we view them? Do we view them as much greater? The sins that they did, they're not like our sins. What is the proper approach we're supposed to take when reading these stories, when going through the Torah how do we relate to it? Maimonides tells us as follows. To put things into perspective as to how different we are to the patriarchs and the matriarchs and anybody who has received prophecy. Anybody who is on the level to receive prophecy from God. I know we always say, in order to receive prophecy, they had to have mastered the Mesilus Hisharim, the path of the just. That book and others, but that at least that book. And if you go through that book, you'll be able to see that we're not dealing with a regular person like us. But Maimonides says it as well. And here's the level that someone, if we look on page three of our source sheet, Maimonides says, this is in the Laws of the Foundations of the Torah, chapter seven, law number one. He says as follows. The Ein Hanavua Chala, prophecy only takes effect on a person, Chacham Gadol Bechachma, someone who is extremely wise in wisdom, Gibor Bimidosov, who's extremely strong in his character traits. 
and his evil inclination does not have control over him on anything in this world. And when I say him, it's also her, because there were prophetesses as well. Elohim has gaber bedaito al yitzro tamin. Rather, this person has total control over his inclination always. He has tremendous capabilities in terms of his knowledge, his understanding. Someone who is filled with all of these traits. He's a shalom begufo, perfect in his body. Where he goes on to describe how the person understands, has the ability to attain. He himself is holy. He separates himself from the way that the world goes in terms of utilizing this world for their pleasures. This person's going the opposite way, totally devoted, giving oneself over where he says, There is not a thought that goes into their mind of some dvarim betalim, things that are vanity, things that have no consequence, no meaning. They constantly focus on God. When this type of person, who has so much control, that the evil inclination, where if we think about ourselves, how much we are swayed all the time, the rationalizations that we, that we have, we may at times be able to control, to conquer, to overcome the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, but to say that we are constantly in control, that it can't win over us, I don't think any of us would be able to say that. But this person has complete control. Their midos, their character traits are stellar, perfect. That means arrogance, that means jealousy, that means humility. That means love for other people, no cruelty, no hate. Keep on going the list with so many different character traits. They are showing, they are complete. Their total mindset, their thought process is always connecting to God. That type of person says, my money's miyad. When you reach that level and you're that person, immediately, then the divine spirit will rest upon you. You'll have your prophecy. So now when we read about the patriarchs and matriarchs, those that are great, and it's not just those in the Torah, but in the prophets, in the writings, in the Talmud, the great rabbis who received prophecy. We can now at least get a slight glimpse of the type of caliber of a person that we're dealing with. So when they sin, when we read about a mistake that the greats have made in the Torah, in the prophets, in the writings, is it the same mistakes that we would make? No. It's not the same mistakes. It's not just a blatant, I'm going to do what I want to do, and yeah, okay, I made the mistake. There was a cheshman, there was a thought process. How should I approach both ways, weighing each, each side out, and then making a decision? Sometimes they made the incorrect, but that was not the same mistake. Not the same type of sin that me and you would make. Because look at the type of people, as Maimonides just described, that we're dealing with. And one last intro, 
Which again, it's not an intro, but it's an insight. Rabbi Isaac Sher. Rabbi Isaac Sher lived from 1874 to 1952, wrote a three-volume work, Lekot And in that work, he was a prime disciple of the altar of Slabatka. He later on became the Rosh Hashiva, the head of the yeshiva in Slabatka, when the yeshiva moved to Israel. And he says as follows, It was always constant in our teacher's mouth, meaning he would always say this in front of his students. After one of his lofty talks about the attributes, about the level that our patriarchs and matriarchs were, he said as follows, The same way that we were able to focus, to pay attention, to recognize the greatness of our patriarchs and matriarchs. It's upon us to remember, to focus, to know. That we are so distant from recognizing the full understanding of their greatness. Kiromos Arkham, because the value, the lofty value, he lamaila mahasagosav hametsumetes lamaila aden cheker, we can't comprehend. We can't fully fathom how somebody could attain such a level. We can't appreciate how a person could reach the loftiest of levels. Valenu rak lahodos lashem shepasaf lefanenu shari ora, it's only upon us to. Thank God for opening up the gates of light to go ahead and learn from the patriarchs. But when we read about the mistake, when we read about the stories and we only natural, we picture as if we were there. Just understand, said the altar of Sabadka, and he constantly said this, that we're just scratching the surface. We think we, can, we can't fathom the greatness that a person could actually accomplish that was the patriarchs and the matriarchs. And that's to put into perspective now. How do we approach as we begin this book of Genesis and we start reading the stories of the patriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, the 12 tribes, Yosef, Moshe, Aaron, Miriam, and then we get into the prophets. How do we approach the mistakes that we made? How do we approach this Ramban, this Nachmanides? That said that Avram made a mistake, he should have trusted God more and not come up with this plan to go ahead and tell the Egyptians that Sarah is my sister. How do we approach this? There's two different angles. Rabaran Cutler, who was actually a Talmud, a student of the altar of Sabadka, lived from 1891 to 1962, founded the great Lakewood Yeshiva, the biggest Yeshiva in America. Close to 10,000 students studying there every single day in Lakewood, New Jersey. And he writes in his work, the Mishnah Sarab Aaron, the third volume, he writes as follows. He says that when learning about the patriarchs, when learning about the matriarchs, when approaching these stories in the Torah, one needs to explain 
She'ein hamadubar ba'anashim regilim ba'alei midos veratonos. We're not talking about regular people. We're not talking about people that, yeah, the same way that I have anger, that I have jealousy, that I have arrogance, they, they also did. El medubar, rather, we are speaking about ba'anashim she'ein anachim yucholim lahasei klalos madregasim. Similarly, to what he heard from his Rebbe, the altar of Sabaka, we have no idea, can't fathom the levels that they reached. They were clean of any of these types of struggles that we may have. The same way, he says, that we can't really fathom an angel. We can't really fathom an angel. What is an angel? This pure holiness this entity. Yeah, we may see a picture, of course, if I ask you to draw an angel, you could draw a picture of the angel in your head from the movies, from this or that, from what we see, halo around the head. I don't know exactly what they look like. Never seen one. But we understand an angel directly next to God. God speaking to them, giving them, it's this element of pure holiness that we can't fully imagine, can't fully fathom can't really describe an angel, he says, so too is the way we should view the patriarchs and matriarchs and the greats that are in the Torah and throughout. And he says, he goes on to say, the second Nachmanides that we mentioned, where Avram had to kick out Yishmael, where Nachmanides said that Sarah, the matriarch, made a mistake. She caused a little too much affliction. Avram, by allowing that to happen, made a mistake. He says as follows. Rebaran Cutler explains, and I'll paraphrase, he says that Avram and Sarah, and Sarah in this instance, understood that there was a mission. She understood that Avram was the first patriarch. She understood that her son Yitzhak was going to be the second patriarch. In building this nation called the Jewish people, she understood that that was the mission, that was the purpose. That's why she was blessed with this child at such an old age. He was the next in building this great nation called the Jewish people. And these patriarchs who were laying the foundation, who were changing our very DNA, instilling within us certain traits that each and every Jewish person has to this very day, Sarah understood that there could not be any pagan. There could not be any diminishing of that. That Yitzchak had to be in a situation to not go ahead and be influenced where that might affect, not just him, but that might affect the Jewish people as a nation of the future. Sarah understood that Yitzchak needed to be in an environment that Yitzchak needed to be ready to learn from Avram without any distractions, without any negative influences in his life that could possibly take away from that mission, from that goal of building the Jewish people. And therefore, she had to ask, tell Avram to leave, to, to, to get Hagar and Yishmael to leave. Avram had that challenge. If we look through the commentaries there, the menders, he had a struggle. He wasn't sure where God had to say, Sarah is correct. 
You're building the Jewish people here. However difficult it is of sending your child away, this is what needs to be done. So granted that it needed to be done, but on a small level, on a very, very minute level where we would never have picked up on the pain that she caused Hagar. Yeah, we read it in the Torah as Sarah caused Hagar pain. The same way that we think somebody knocks on our door, we look, ah, get out of here. That's not what happened. It can't be what happened. Because she was a prophetess, somebody who reached such levels, as Maimonides says. Someone who, as the author of Sabatka explained, that we can't fathom the levels that they were on. There's no possible way that she would just make a flippant mistake as such, like we would. And therefore, when Nachmanides says that there was a sin, that they did something wrong, they caused pain, it was on a level that we could never, ever pick up on. If we were there at that moment and see how she dealt with them, we would never have thought there was pain. We would never have actually noticed the fact that she caused them pain. If we were there when Avram came up with his plan, as Nachmanani said, he didn't have the full trust in God. We wouldn't have picked up on that. We would have said, this is great thought process. Your life is on the line. This is what you have to do. In fact, some of the commentaries say that. But for Avram on his level, it was a sin. He didn't have the proper bitachon, as Nachmanani says, trust in God, as to going about what should have been done. And that's the mistake that was made. And Rabbi Cutler says, to explain next week's portion, he says that Avram wanted to be mechanic, to teach Yishmael. He wanted to raise him to allow him to grow. Avram did not want to send him away. Avram fought against Sarah, did not want to send him away to the point that this argument, he says, this machlokas, this argument between Avram and Sarah was l'shem shemaim for the sake of heaven. What is the appropriate thing to do? And God said, Sarah, the righteous one, she's greater than you in her level of prophecy. Listen to her. This is what you have to do. You have to send him away. Maybe in the way it was done, how it was done, it wasn't with the utmost, utmost sensitivity, but to say that they just made a mistake, Avram just got rid of them. They're not like us. They're not going to do what we would do. Rav Shamsham Hirsch, the great defender of Torah Judaism, in the 19th century, lived from 1808 to 1888, was the Rav of Germany. Pretty much the entire country, he was the towering figure. And he as well says as follows. He quotes this Nachmanides and in saying that Avram did a sin, The Torah is describing the sin. The Torah is telling us these stories, the mistakes that were made.
tell us as follows. He says, The Torah is not hiding the mistakes. How in a way they weaken their greatness. The Torah is not going to do that. A little bit different. Rabbi Cutler was saying, they couldn't have made a mistake. I, when the commentaries say that, okay, we have to understand exactly what that means, but it can't, couldn't have been the mistake. Rishon Shemarim is saying a little different. He's saying they did make a mistake, albeit a small one, but they did make a mistake, and the Torah is not trying to hide that from us. He says an important line. The fact that the Torah describes their mistake, the fact that the Torah tells us does not take away from their greatness. Adaraba, just the opposite. It uplifts, it makes them greater. That we need to learn even more from their life. He does say, that we would not have been able to fathom, to understand similar lines of what exactly was going on over there. But don't think, he says, don't think to say that their greatness, the patriarchs, the matriarchs, the great people that we have throughout our history, don't think that they were born with this. Don't think that, oh, this is how they were. It doesn't apply to us because I wasn't born with this innate, awesome ability such as those people. He says, they worked on themselves to be able to reach these levels. And he says, Lamashal, he gives a parable. The Torah describes that Moshe was the most humble of all people. The Anav Mikol Adam. He was the ultimate person in humility. He says, If we would not have known that Moshe could come to a level of anger, as the Torah tells us. The Torah says there were times where Moshe became angry. If the Torah never stated that, Hayinu Sovrim, you know what we would have thought? Shemidas Hanava Teruah Bo Mileda, that this trait of humility was implanted within him from birth. We cannot be similar to him. There's no way. He was the most humble. Yeah, because that's how he was created. But when the Torah says, Shemunah Amorim, listen, you rebellious people, as Moshe said. That was a, a slight mistake. Then we're able to understand, he says, that Moshe, Kana Eshanava, he acquired this trait of humility, through much toil, through much work. Shlita's atzmitz of ruling, controlling himself, cleansing himself. The Torah is telling us the sin, the mistake that they made and how they grew from it, how they were able to become the great. Not because they were born as such, but because they worked on themselves. And similarly, this is how Avram 
Rakshamshavar Hurst says, made the mistake as well. Unintentional. Of course, Avram was putting his trust in God. The whole time, Avram was thinking, God, you're the only one that can save me. Of course he knew that. But there was an element that he was lacking in terms of that full, full trust. And that got him to make the decision, according to Nachmanides, incorrectly. I'm going to come up with this plan instead of putting my complete trust in God. A very minute mistake. Something that is so small that we would never have picked up on. Not a conscious thought process mistake that we would just do, yeah, sure, I give in to my horrible traits all the time. That was not the instance, but Rabbi Hirsch, Rosham Shalar says a little differently. Yes, the greats made a mistake, but that's what made them even greater. When the Torah testifies to their godless, to their greatness, it's because don't think that they were born as such, but they constantly worked on themselves to become as great as possible. That doesn't mean they're like us. It's slightly different than Rabbi Aaron Cutler, but sin, yes, they made mistakes. But if the Torah never told us that, we would have viewed them completely different. And we still should view them completely different. Because they are not like any of us. And we'll end off as follows. Gravelio Dessler, the great Mashiach of the Panovich Yeshiva, first in Gateshead in England, and then made his way to Israel. Panovich lived from 1891 to 1953, wrote his five-volume set called Mikhtav Me the writings from Eliyahu. That was his name. And he quotes the passage in the Talmud. There's a passage in the Talmud tractate of Shabbos that says as follows. There were different instances where the Torah and the prophets testified where when we read the Torah, one would say that they made a mistake. One is Reuven. When Reuven moved the bed of his father into his mother's tent. So if you read the simple meaning of the verse, it sounds like he slept with his father's wife, Bilha, But that's not the case. If we look at Rashi in the commentaries, it is not so. It may have been considered as if, but that didn't happen. And the Talmud says, Anybody who says that Ruvain sinned is mistaken. The Torah says that King David, sorry, the, the Talmud says King David with the incident of, of Bathsheba, where one will read the story and think that King David married a, or had relations with a married lady, when in fact she was not at the time. And the Talmud again says, Kola Omer David Chata Eno anyone who said that King David sinned is mistaken. Is mistaken. Rav Dessler said as follows. Rav Dessler says that when the Talmud is telling us that anybody who says that these people sinned are mistaken, 
that doesn't mean that there wasn't something a little bit wrong with what they did. There was. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have the discussion whatsoever. But rather, Rav Dessler says, Their sins were measured according to their level. That means, and we do this in society today, the greater you are, the greater the expectation. And therefore that means that for each and every one of us, if we would do this, it would never be a sin. But for those that are extremely great, what they might do, which we would never ever say is incorrect, for them on their level is incorrect. And therefore what the Talmud is meaning to say is don't think that their sin is like us. Oh, they sinned, yeah, exactly the same way that we would sin. Because you would never have picked up on this sin. There's no way that you would even think that this is a sin. It's only the Fima Dregaso, their level. And we do this in today's society. I'll give you an example. I'm a Michael Jordan fan. I know there may be people here that don't even know who Michael Jordan is or never knew that he was the greatest basketball player ever. My opinion, greatest basketball player ever. Michael Jordan. In his heyday, if he didn't win the title, was his season a success or a failure? We would say it was a failure. But what do you mean? He won the MVP. His team finished first. He made it to the conference finals, maybe even made it to the finals. If Tom Brady doesn't win the Super Bowl, He failed. Who do you mean? He won the MVP. The dude's 40-something years old. He's still throwing crazy touchdowns. Best quarterback ever. What are you telling me that his season was a failure? It's because the greater you are, and we do this to people, as I just mentioned, the greater you are, the greater the expectation. For you to get MVP and to get the scoring title and to do it, that, that's... That's, yeah. You're judged on a totally different level. And if you don't accomplish that, if you don't fulfill that, we're going to look at you like that. Your season was a failure. Ruth Dessler says, when we hear, when we read about these stories throughout the Torah, understand, and again, incorporating everything that we mentioned, that they were on a level that we can't fathom, that we can't imagine. So are Jewish leaders infallible? Could they make a mistake? Yeah, they could make a mistake. And the Torah testifies to the mistakes that they made. And not just the Torah, but in the Talmud for us to learn. But don't think that those mistakes, that these stories are yeah, just like any of us type of story that we would do the exact same thing, that they make a mistake, I make a mistake, all right. 
We are dealing with people that are on a level, that on, are on a totally different stratosphere than each and every one of us. We can't fathom. To go back to Maimonides, the description of what a prophet was. Picture that person. We can't even imagine that type of person walking. We would, we would be in awe. We would be in, in complete fear to walk near the person. Such an element of holiness. That's who these people were even more. As Rebessler says, their mistakes, yes. But according to their level, that's how they are viewed. And therefore, the altar of Sabadka, I was taught in yeshiva many times, to view their mistake as a dake dakos, a minute mistake. That Avram was going through the different thought processes, should I have, I have trust in God, I have 100% trust in God, but I think this is the right thing. There's Hishtablus, there's doing my due diligence. So how much due diligence should I do? Avram was going through this in his head. Is this proper due diligence to come up with this plan or not? My life is on the line, I'm going to die. So he said this is proper due diligence according to the Nachmanides Ramban. And that was a slight mistake. He had full trust in God, but that tiny little bit was lacking and that's what caused him to make the incorrect decision. And if we view this in this lens, dealing with the patriarchs and the matriarchs, yes, we can learn from them. Because they highlight that when they do make a mistake, when the Torah says that Moshe got a little bit angry, how could it be? How could it be? Moshe, on his levels, with the ultimate humility, which humility should get rid of anger, how could it be that he got a little angry? As Rav Hirsch said, the Torah is telling us that he worked on himself to attain that level. If the Torah would never said that, we would never have believed it. But that highlights even more that if someone like Moshe could get angry, then how much more so each and every one of us? Because we're not on the same playing field. If Avram can make a mistake in trusting God, when he trusted God to the utmost, if he can make that mistake lacking, then how much more so each and every one of us could fall short in our full trust in God. And so on and so forth in analyzing the different parts of the stories that we read. So how should we approach? How should we look at the Jewish leaders? The patriarchs, the matriarchs, those that are written in the Torah, the prophets, the writings, the Talmud, the greats of the previous generations, not just greats in Torah knowledge, but their character traits, their shlemas, their compl completion of themselves. As many of them had prophecy, they were what Maimonides was describing. Could they make a mistake? Yes, but it's not the same mistake as us. Very small, minute. We may not have even picked up on it unless the Torah, the Talmud testified to it. And when we approach the Torah with this lens, yes, we can learn from them. But to understand that we are not scratching, we are just scratching the surface, we are not coming close to really understanding the greatness 
of these people. And I'll end off with one last thing. The Torah records the sins, as of her said, to teach us that's what made them great. And an important hashkafa, an important outlook on life is to never ever, especially nowadays, to never ever put the Rebbe, the teacher, the, the great rabbi, to never ever put someone on a pedestal, they can never make a mistake. The Torah tells us the mistakes for that reason. Yes, these are the patriarchs and matriarchs that we cannot fathom the levels that they reached. But to put them on a pedestal that they will never ever make a mistake is very dangerous. Because when and if that mistake happens, then our whole foundation crumbles. That's what the Torah is describing. That's what they're telling us here to approach the rest of this book of Genesis where we hear stories and we may scratch our head of what in the world is going on. We have to look into the commentaries to understand, to see, to know what is truly going on, but at least approach with the humility, with the sense of these are people that are walking angels. These are people that we can't fathom the levels that they attained, the levels that they reached. They are not like each and every one of us. Thank you everybody for joining. Have a wonderful evening.